Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Let's just ask God's blessing on our service and our giving this morning. Thank you, Father. What a beautiful morning just to have a different temperature change. And Lord, we're just rejoicing in that. And Lord, again, we ask for rain as uh, we definitely need it. And Father, I pray that you just bless us this morning, Lord, that we just glorify you in all that we do. And we begin not only in singing and in praising you and in prayer and listening, but also in our giving. Our giving tells much about us and our trust in your providential care. So let us just rejoice and praise you with with all that you've given to us, Lord, that we may be generous, cheerful givers. And Lord, I pray that you join with us. May we respond in the way your Holy Spirit has depended. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Let's come together for pastor's prayer, a time where we just come and we pray as a congregation together. We would ask if you would just join with me silently as I pray out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, all glory, honor, and praise to the creator of all things, both visible and invisible. Your reign is eternal, filled with justice and righteousness, and we come before you this morning to sing your praises and to declare your worth. All that we have and enjoy is a gracious gift from your loving hand. Even in tribulation and suffering, your goodness is made known through the comfort of your spirit and the salvation found in the works of your Son, Jesus. And to him we submit this morning. We proclaim that he is Lord by the Spirit that resides within our hearts. And may his reign grow even this morning as more people submit to his reign. May the Holy Spirit's work mightily in this community this morning. Let us not quench his important work. Find among us willing respondents to your word. And we humbly offer ourselves as living sacrifice. Declare to us this morning the ways we still resist your will and commandments. And give us the faith to sacrifice all that we may attain eternal life. We pray this in the name of your son Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. And that's what we're talking about in this series of Kingdom Living. Is learning what it truly means to live a life of faith. To live a life that's kingdom-saturated and kingdom-focused. A life in which we're just not adding Jesus to the problem and think that he's just one of the solutions. Jesus is more than just pour, add water, and stir. Many times that's how people present the gospel and present Christ. He's skin, just another solution. But he's much more than that. He's the king. And he has a rule and his reign and his kingdom is growing and it's breaking forth with great power. He's called you and I to kingdom living. And with that, we've been sharing that kingdom living is much more than just saying a prayer or just going to church or doing the bare minimum. It's not being a Republican or a Democrat or, or Libertarian. It's more than just being for soup kitchens and, and passing out blankets to those that need them. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving up those things 
that you hold dear. We've been looking at sacrificing of ourself and sacrificing of our mind. And this morning, we're going to look at the sacrifice of security. What are those things that make you feel secure? What are those things that, that make you feel like, hey, I'm in a good place? What's that rock you're holding on? Or maybe you're like Linus and you have a little, little blanket that you carry it around and that's your security and you, you need that. You know, I remember our children when they were young, they always had that little blanket. Did your children do that too? And as long as they had that blanket, they could sleep. As long as they had that blanket, it didn't matter how many boo-boos they had. They just wanted that blanket. It doesn't matter how bad and how tattered that blanket got. That blanket brought them comfort. And some of you have that today. It may be comfort food. And I'm seeing there's quite a few of us that probably have some comfort food. You know, biscuits, and uh, I love biscuits and beef stew. That's, that's a comfort food. You can get me anytime with that. We have comfort pleasures. We have comfort this and comfort that. Maybe your comfort at this time is a bottle of pills. Maybe it's something that you have to watch or look at or dream or aspire to. But for many people, their security is that and that which they can attain. Those things that they can buy, those things that they can accumulate, and I'm going to here to share with you today is that the kingdom living is going to require a sacrifice of security. Our passage this morning that we're going to start off is in Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It'll be on the screen. Again, if you do not have a Bible, I'd like to get one to you. Please see uh, Dutzer and I, and we'll make sure that you get one. But in Luke chapter 12, we look at the parable of the rich fool. In it, Scripture says, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or a ruler or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against covetousness. But here, if you have your Bible, underline this. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker, he who has the moist toys wins? Have you ever seen it? Remember that? I think it's an old one. Followed by the one, he, he who dies with the most toys still dies. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. I think that's still a line in Scripture, a spiritual truth that we need to hold on to. He goes on to say, and he told them a parable to re reiterate and to, to cement this in, saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, the rich man did, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose shall they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself is not rich towards God. Father, I know in my heart that I want to be rich in you. And Father, my heart betrays me, for I too find security 
in the things that I can accumulate and the things that I acquire. Father, there may be many, if not all, who are with me this morning who could say the same thing. So I pray that you open our hearts to the sacrifice of security. Father, I pray that, that we would respond to the Holy Spirit's working in this word this morning. May we not leave here this morning with the same thoughts, with the same ways that are not attuned to your word. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. This man suffered from covetousness, greed, and consumerism. Thinking himself wise, he showed himself to be what? A fool. Though he gained wealth in this life now, he lost all in the end, where it truly mattered, as we saw last week. You see, there's a problem of covetousness, greed, and consumerism, especially here in the West, but it resides in the heart of all men and women. And let me share with you, consumerism, greed, and covetousness is about consumption. It's the concentrated effort to consume things in order to meet one's real or perceived needs or wants. One of consumerism's driving principle is rights over responsibility. It's my money and I will do with it what I want as I please. Consumerism is not based on the amount of money you have. For some of you say, well, I don't have that. I don't have a lot of money. Well, it's not based on how much you make or how much you have. But in the way you think about the money you do have and how you spend it. When we pursue as our means of fulfillment the things of our neighbors, instead of pursuing God, we worship these things rather than God alone. In Mark 6.21, you know this famous phrase where Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also. The great church father Augustine said of this verse, Where your pleasure is, there is your treasure. And where your treasure is, there is your heart. And where your heart is, there is your happiness. And I would just say that many of us are finding our happiness in the things that we can accumulate and acquire. Our stuff. But the Bible warns us about covetousness greed and consumerism when the great preacher writes he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income he says all of this is vanity all of that is meaningless in Matthew Jesus said no one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one or love the other he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money and obviously, 1 Timothy 6.10 has some of the strongest words to say where he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. Pastor Andy Stanley of Atlanta describes greed as a debt that says, I owe me. That's what consumerism and materialism is. He says, I owe me. It's time for me to get what I deserve. 
It's all mine. I worked hard for it. Let me use it as I see fit. I want to share with you four ways that you, even with maybe a little bit of income, can see yourself as a greedy materialist. It's here on the screen. You may want to take these notes. This is not something, these are not attitudes that you want to have, but you'll find it many times in your life. One is to don't see God as a source of wealth unless he actually hands you a paycheck. You see, the rich farmer never acknowledges his huge harvest as a blessing from God, nor does he seek God in prayer concerning how to use it. For many of you, you're like, I work for this. This is mine. I work hard for it. My paycheck doesn't come from God. It comes from whomever signs it. But even all of that comes from God. Amen? What intellect, what strength, what skill, what talent do you have that was not given to you as a gracious gift from our Father? The Bible says none. The other way, the second way is to do whatever you can to stockpile your stuff. Do whatever you can to stockpile your stuff. You see, the farmer never considers the possibility that he was given his crop to share. He thought it was all his. It's not to keep. Instead, at a great time and expense, he tears down perfectly good barns just to build larger ones. He wants to stockpile it, never looking and seeing if there's a need out there. Thirdly, to feel really good about all you have. To sit on your mattress of cash and say, look at me. You see, this guy assumed he had just guaranteed himself years of problem-free living because he's reached this type of thing. And we see that all the time in the news. If I could just make this much, if, if you see it really with these, uh, the, those that are looking for the minimum wage, if we just made $15 an hour, everything would be great. But today's $15 an hour winds up becoming the new poverty line in the end. Because everything rises. And I'm not making a political statement. I'm just making real sense. We all think that there is a number. What's your magic number? What's your magic number? If I had X amount of dollars or made X amount of this, then life would be good. Or maybe it's the house. If I had this house, if I had this car, I, I used to feel that way. Don and I, you know, we used to have problems with our cars all the time. Finally, God released us from that cross-bearing thing of, of cars that would not always work at the same time. didn't matter how many cars we had. They were all would take turns breaking down. But what's your magic number? You got one. You have one. There's a number in your head, or there's a certain thing that says, if I had this, then I would be happy. What is it? Are you ready to sacrifice that? For God is saying that's not going to bring you happiness. It's not going to bring happiness. Number four is to upgrade and indulge whenever possible. You see, this foolish farmer prepared to party like he never had before. He had worked long and hard, and by God, he was going to enjoy life to the fullest. His ship had come in. It's time to take it easy and maybe redecorate the house, take a cruise, or go shopping like the rich people do. 
Maybe a brand new lifestyle had just opened up to him and he couldn't wait to enjoy it. But in the end, he lost it all. If this is one of the attitudes that you have this morning, then you need to repent of it for God is asking for you to sacrifice that type of attitude. Instead of being a greedy materialist and thinking of money as belonging to us, that's the wrong attitude. That's the way of thinking. God has called us to be good stewards of what He had given us. And I'm about to give you a definition. So if you're taking the notes, it's not on the screen. I need you to write this down. For God has called you to be a good steward, not to think of how you can use your money to propagate your own agenda. See, stewardship, stewardship is the belief. It's the belief that everything a person has or owns belongs to God. So, what's your mind attitude right now? Is it biblical stewardship or is it I need more? See, that's where we are. You're either here or you're here or you're like this trying to figure out which way to go. I pray to God that the Holy Spirit will bring you to kingdom living and recognizing that you and I are called to be good stewards of all that God has given to us. You'll see the sad story of the young rich man that in Mark chapter 10, you can turn to it, I'm going to read just a little bit very quickly, if you'd like to follow along. But it's a famous story again. A young man desires eternal life, and he asks Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit it? Jesus responds by telling him to obey the law, obey the commandments. And the young man replies, all these I have done from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loving him, said, you lack one thing. And you can imagine the man just kind of pricking, okay, what is it? What is it? What can I inquire? What can I get so I can inherit something greater? What is it? What is it? And I can almost imagine the sales go out as Jesus says, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Do you imagine? One thing, all right, I almost got it all. I just need one thing. Scripture tells us, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let me tell you this simply. He loved his possessions more than he loved God and more than he had desired eternal life. And I'm afraid to say that there may be some of you that are the same way. You love stuff more than you love God. You desire what the world can give you more than you desire eternal life. Jesus went on to say how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom. And that's what we're trying to do. I'm inviting you this morning, come to the kingdom, welcome to the kingdom, let's enjoy the kingdom, let's work for the kingdom, let's be kingdom livers. And the disciples, when they heard those words of Jesus, they were amazed. And Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier 
for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus recognized what was in man's heart, knowing that man cannot defeat this proven enemy of consumerism, of covetousness, and of greed, and knowing the weakness of our own heart. Jesus replies with the gospel when he says, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Then Peter begins to justify himself, saying, see, we left everything, we followed you. And Jesus encourages him by saying, truly, there's no one who has left house or brother, sister, mother, father, children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who will now receive a hundredfold back. There's a God's promise. So the question today, are you willing to sacrifice in order to get something much better back? In Hebrews 13.5, the author gives us a promise from God that if we give Him control, He says, keep your life free from the love of money. Very simple. He's shouting to you, keep your life free from money, from that love of money, and be content with what you have. For he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a sad story when there are Christians who feel that God has forsaken them and left them and are not content with where they are in their finances or in their living situations. Not that we can't look and say, hey, we haven't lived common sense or sin has destroyed. I'm not saying that. But what we need to realize is that even in our economic situation, even in our social situations, just like in our family situation, God has put us exactly where He wants us. You see, kingdom living, this is the thing that I need you to understand, is that true kingdom living requires that we sacrifice the security of riches. We need to require, it will require that we sacrifice the security that riches bring by giving away our money. In other words, we understand that I give away my money to fulfill God's purposes. We understand that money is not God's gift for me to fulfill my purpose, but to fulfill the purposes of God. 2 Corinthians, he tells us, since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm, and such love for us, now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. God has called you to kingdom living. It's going to require that you sacrifice the security of riches by giving away of your money. They're having the attitude of being a good steward. They're recognizing that life here today is not about getting, not about acquiring, not about accumulating and storing. But those things are all vanity, as the preacher says in Ecclesiastes. And you and I know these things, but yet we're not living them out. Our heart still desires for things greater. And even the monies that we do have, we use them for our own purposes. You say, why do I need to give? Well, we need to give total control of our money to God. 
And let me ask you, what area are you keeping for yourself? You may say, well, I'll give a little bit of this. I'll do a lot of this. But this here needs to be for me. Are you excelling in the grace of giving? Or are you in the one that's control, fighting God for every penny? J. Oswald Sanders asks, the basic question is not how much of our money we should give to God, but how much of God's money shall we retain for ourselves? And that's how many of us see it. We were talking on Facebook. Facebook seems to be the new coffee house now. And there was someone that was asking about tithing. All of you hear it, and usually when you use the word tithing, especially from a preacher in a message, it is like the greatest spiritual no-dose there is. Everyone just blanks out, but don't blank out. He's talking, what should we tithe today in the New Testament church? And we were going on, and we were having some good debate about it, and someone says, well, God is owed 10%. 10% of it is God's money. And I had to come back, and I said, wait a second. God's money is not 10%. God's money is what? All of it. And he gives us his financial blessing and says, now do my work on it. Just as your intellect, just as your talents and abilities, they are not for you to use for yourself, but to use to edify and to build up others for the kingdom work. There's three things to give towards the kingdom. As we look here on this next screen, there's just three things. Why do we have to give? Well, we give to provide for the church ministry. We give to provide for the household of God. That's for its members to meet the needs of those that are in want. And then to provide for missions, to provide for evangelistic endeavors, to reach out to those who have not yet heard of the kingdom. God says that's kingdom living to give for the church ministry, to provide for the household of God for its members, and provide for missions. The Bible shares with us as we go on three ways in which we are to give. And so I hope you're here with me. You recognize that kingdom living requires that you sacrifice the security of riches. It will not give you eternal life. It will not bring you happiness. It will not bring you the joy that you seek. It can mask it. It can put it off for a while. I would agree with that. But let me share with you, kingdom living will require the sacrifice. I pray that you get that. And as we go on now, I want to share with you ways in which we do that. The Bible tells us there are three ways that you and I are to give. One is to give generously. The Bible says, does any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask of God. Why? Because he gives generously. So you and I are to give generously. He tells us also in 2 Corinthians number 2, not only are we to give generously, but we're to give cheerfully. For each man must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You and I are to give generously, and we're to give cheerfully, and then thirdly, we're to give sacrificially. The Bible tells us Speaking of David in 2 Samuel, but he's ready to give a sacrifice to God. And he goes to this place and he says, I want to sacrifice to God. And the person says, well, here, let me give you all this wood. Let me give you these cattle to give a sacrifice. David said, no, but I will buy it from you for a price where I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord. That costs me nothing. In Mark chapter 12, take your Bibles out. Real quickly, look at that, Matthew chapter 12. 
again, another famous portion of Scripture. In Mark chapter 12, we see a, an example of a widow who gives sacrificially. We're to give generously. We're to give cheerfully. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. And He watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And Jesus called His disciples and said to Him, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. For you may say, I don't have enough. I'm the one who should be receiving. You feel like you cannot give any at all. The Bible says that even out of our poverty we give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, as Paul was going through the mission field, he was, he was collecting money for the poor church in Jerusalem that was undergoing a severe famine and persecution. And speaking of the Macedonians, it's a country that's just right above Greece. He speaks to them and he says, you must adopt their type of attitude. He says, for in a severe test of affliction, out of their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. So we need to give generously and cheerfully and sacrificially. Why? Because that's kingdom living. It's recognizing that God is going to provide for our needs, not this money, not this check, not this lifestyle, not this house or this car. And many of you can test that sometimes some of the happiest times of your life have been when you were struggling as a young couple. There's enough trouble with everything else. We need to realize that God has called us to a new way of thinking, of sacrificing the security that riches bring. For it realizes that the security of riches and the security of abundance and of accumulating is just a mirage. There's nothing there. God's plan for giving is very simple. How should I give? You may say, you know, I, I want to give. I, I understand. I, I want to be a kingdom liver. I want to be one of those ones that recognizes and gives back. I, I know that I've used my money for myself, but I recognize the Holy Spirit is saying, I need to give as the Bible has called me to give. I want to share with you four ways that we are to give. Four ways to courage and challenge you. You've heard this from me before. It's not new for many of you, but I want to share it once again. For the first thing is, is many of us don't make any type of plan giving. We just say, well, if we give, we give. But, you know, the Bible tells us that we need to be more focused in our giving. It needs to be planned out. Let me share with you four ways. God's plan for giving. First one is make it a priority. Make it a priority. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting. Stuart Briscoe in his book writes, The right way to give to the Lord is to prevent, present the first fruits off the top rather than leftovers off the bottom. 
If you establish a budget, you can ensure that giving has its rightful place by making the top item on your list of expenses as giving. For most of us, we say, wait a second, the first thing that comes out of my check, the first thing that comes out of my budget is taxes. And they're asking for this amount. But let me tell you, you need to make giving to God the first priority. Before taxes, before anything else. Why? Because God deserves the best. He deserves our priority and our thinking. For many of us, it's like, oh, what do I have in my wallet? Oh, I'll give this to God. And then next week, I don't have anything left. But let me tell you, you need to make it a priority. Just as you shouldn't give your family, you shouldn't give God any leftovers, you should not give giving in the same way. It needs to be a priority in your life. It has to become that priority. Then it needs to be. Not after you pay everything else, but it needs to be a priority now. The second way is percentage giving. That reflects thanksgiving and submission. And in many times in Scripture, they were talking about the tithe. The tithe is a word that just means 10%. We see it from Abraham and Jacob well before it was ever an Old Testament law. Now, I don't teach tithing as a New Testament principle, mainly because I believe that it's a wrong threshold to even begin with, or to end with, I should say. John Piper says, while tithing should not be advocated as a minimum contribution based on Scripture, the affluence of our country in particular is such that giving at least 10% for the majority of Christians would be the natural application. Affluent Christians giving 10% should not think that they have fulfilled the giving requirements of Scripture. John Piper goes on to say, My own conviction is that most middle and upper class Americans who were merely tithing are actually robbing God. Christians should be given generously out of concern for God's glory in response to the grace and love He has shown them and a desire to see ministers of the gospel and the poor have their basic needs met. Nothing written here in Scripture should be understood as an excuse for not giving. Rather, Christians should be freed from the 10% model so they can embrace the model endorsed in the New Testament of giving generously sacrificially and cheerfully. But there ought to be a percentage. If you're not able to go to 10%, but start at 1%. Start at 2%. You know, wherever you feel is where God has laid on your heart. But I know as a percentage giver myself, it helps me understand where I'm at. Where I value God. The third one is progressive. It's gradually learning to give more. For he says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap. Listen to this by C.S. Lewis. And I know I'm going fast. Try to slow down here a little bit. Speaking of progressive giving, of giving, learning to give more and more as God gives us. C.S. Lewis writes, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those of the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say it is too small. 
There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our commitment to giving excludes them. And I would say that's sacrificial. There are many Christians here today, to many of you, that are not giving sacrificially. Your giving, even if it's at 10%, does not change your standard of living. And that should not be so. For what you're saying, it's better for me to be comfortable and then I'll give what I can afford to. It's not how God gives to us. The Bible says that we ought to give sacrificially. So for many of us, we need to go until it hurts or it just becomes some other bill that we pay and make ourselves feel good. Somebody asked, when was the last time you gave to the point that it was going to cost you something? It was going to cost you an upgrade in a vehicle. Maybe it was going to cost you a vacation or cost you a night out. That's the type of giving that God calls us. That's kingdom living in which the kingdom is presented and missions are being fulfilled and people are being sent out. Lastly, it's prompted giving. It's putting your money where your mouth is. 1 John says, by this we know love. That Jesus laid his life down for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And we say yes and amen, but don't ask me to put down my wallet. But he goes on to say, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let me share with you today is that kingdom living requires you to sacrifice security in riches. We must not look for our income, for our wealth, and for the attaining of things to give us the happiness and security that we need. If so, we become like the rich fool. We become like the rich young man who says, no, I have too much. And let me tell you, it puts your soul in danger for you seem to prove that your profession of faith is not as real as you claim it to be. You see, there's a commitment for those who profess Christ. That's a commitment to give control of our desires and our needs and our money to God. Let me share in here. I don't want money here just so we can have nicer things and you can give me a bigger salary. I want you to give because it's kingdom living. It shows that you yourself rely on the providence of God and not on someone else. It allows us to do more, to, to, to minister to 35 children during the week. To the 10 or 13 or so that we have on Wednesday for storybook time. For those that meet here each Sunday. It allows us to open up the doors to the Friendly Center to feed hundreds each week. It allows us to send our missionaries like Doug and Dan and the Nelsons and others to other parts of the world that we cannot go to. For the kingdom must grow. We can't rest on the church's investments to provide that. Do we do that? Then we ourselves are guilty of being rich fools. 
And I want to thank you as a church, you give. But I'm here to tell you that kingdom living will require more. There are challenges. There are people in this assembly, this small community that need it. There's more that we can do with missionary giving, with reaching out. But most importantly, what I'm more concerned about is your heart. Where's your heart this morning? Are you committing to giving it all to Him? Let me ask you some questions. Do you regularly give money to serve and to help others? Is your first priority in spending is to support God's work? Do your spending habits keep you from giving what you feel like you should? I'll allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. My job was to proclaim God's truth, and I pray that's been done. The Holy Spirit has something for each and every one of you, but let me leave you with these words. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the heathens, the lost, seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Are you ready for kingdom living? Are you ready to sacrifice the security of riches and be a steward that gives all that you have back to God? I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed. You have your notes there, your bulletin. I'd like for you to just take a moment. Maybe you want to make some final notes. Maybe you want to lift up a prayer and say, Lord, how, what are you asking of me today? How should I respond to the Spirit's truth? And then maybe you join and pray and say, Father, make me a kingdom liver that gives as you've called us to give, generously, cheerfully, and sacrificially. Father, work in our hearts this morning. We may be very conflicted this morning when it's especially speaking about money. It's so dear to our hearts. There's many here, Lord, that are struggling just to make ends meet. Father, that's where we as a church, we need to come together and to help them as it's called to, to those of us that are in the household of God. But even out of our poverty, our giving should be cheerful and sacrificially and, and generous. Father, I pray that you just continue to work in our hearts. Show us starkly where we're at when it comes to consumerism. Are we guilty of covetousness? Have we looked to money for security? If so... Father, show us the folly of doing so. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us the grace and faith to trust in your goodness. And Lord, to give if you called us to give. Lord, that we may sacrifice the security of riches in order that we may attain you the true security. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. 
There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.